Truth is, every one of you here, regardless of where you were raised or where you come from, have the same dream. And you know what it is? To either have a happy family or to be able to give your children one you never had yourself if you didn't come from one. That's what you want. That's that's what everybody wants. So today, I want to talk to you about a message today. Share with you a message called Single and Satisfied. Say it with me. Single Single. and Satisfied. Okay. Could you turn me up a little bit or I'm going to scream? All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I promise you I won't scream at them, but I'll be screaming. Okay. So it's single and satisfied. Now, again, why are you saying that? What I'm going to say today has more to do with married people than it does singles. But if you don't get it while you're single, you'll never be satisfied when you're married. Because if you're not single and satisfied, you will never be married and satisfied. Let me say it one more time. If you don't learn how to be single and satisfied, you'll never be married and satisfied. So what is the purpose of singleness? What's the reason for being single? Why didn't God just like make me... Born married. Because there is a purpose in singleness. And the purpose of singleness is to learn to love God and love people. Say that with me. Love God. And then love people. How do you learn how to do that? By maturing. Let me, let me give you what the scripture says. With wise wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, to act as an intelligent, as an intelligent act of worship. To give your bodies as a living what? Okay, and let me just say this. If you can't give your body as a living sacrifice to God, you'll never be able to give your body to someone else in a right way. You'll be trying to get from them something that you should get from God. And they'll be trying to get from you something they should be getting from God. Consecrated, acceptable to Him. And don't let the world around you, what? Squeeze you its own mold. There's a mold of what the world tells you singleness is about. What it's about. But let God do what? Remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good. It meets all the demands and moves towards the goal of true. That's the goal of singleness. Maturity. To learn how to care for yourself spiritually. And then to learn how to care for yourself physically so that you will then be able to care for someone else. You know why so many marriages are messed up? Because people get married who don't even know how to care for themselves and they immediately inherit a responsibility of caring for somebody else. And if you can't pay, take care of, dress, self-control yourself, you will never, ever, ever able, be able to do it in the right way with someone else. Marriage doesn't cause problems. It reveals them. It reveals them. So, how in the world do I become the right person? How do I become Mr. and Mrs. Right instead of Mr. and Mrs. Right now? Well, I, I wanted to to give you a three-step plan on how to be Mr. and Mrs. Right instead of Mr. and Mrs. Right now. And so I brought a friend of mine with me to to help teach you in a three-step plan, three easy steps of how to become the right person from the world's way, from the world's mold. 
I brought my friend Brian, and he's going to give us three steps. Are you ready? You want to know? Yes. Brian, teach us. Come on. Just want to be with you. Three. Come on. Because it's plain to see that you're the only one for me. Repeat steps. One, two, three. Uh, there you go. All right, stop. You can stop. See, at first, I'm y'all playing that. You're, what is he doing playing that? This is church. I did that at one of our campuses, and we played that. And they did just like you did the first. By the time they got the second verse, they were standing up, waving. They weren't doing that, but it was similar to that. Okay, it was. It got crazy. You see, the world's way is number one. If I can find the right person, if I could just find the right person, I don't know where they are. I need to go online and look at. DesperatePeopleMeet.com <laughs> you, you know when you get that picture that you put up there of your high school picture, right? You're 50 and you get your high school picture on your profile. If I could just find the right person and instead of looking inward, they look completely outward. Instead of working on themselves to be mature, they keep looking for somebody else immaturely. Here's the second thing. Of doing it the world's way. Find the right person. Here's the second one. Then make them fall in love with you. If I can just make them fall in love with me. If I could just, if I could just put that little gree-gree on them. You know, that Melania look. If I, if I, could, just, if I could just put that look on them, then, then I know they will fall in love with me. And here's the third thing. Then expect them to fully fulfill and complete you. To be my endless love. If they could be that one, that one person that totally fulfills me, I know then I'll be happy. And if it doesn't work, repeat steps one through three. Okay, find the right person. (laughs) Make them fall in love with you. Okay, expect them to fulfill. If, If that doesn't work, then repeat steps one through three. Find another right person. A lady once came to counsel with me. She'd been married five times. She was leaving where she worked at Iberia Bank, and she was going to, to, to see me. And a friend said, where are you going? He said, well, we're, we're going to see him. I'm going to see a marriage counselor. The person looked and said, listen, don't tell him you made five mistakes. Tell him he made the same mistake five times. Do you know why? Because if you don't learn from your mistakes, say, say it loud. You repeat them. The difference between a fool... Biblically, and a wise person is a wise person makes mistakes, and when they make mistakes, they learn and they grow. That's called failing forward. Failing forward. But if you don't learn and you keep getting in the same unhealthy relationships and attracting the same unhealthy people and keep doing the same thing, regardless of whether it's your finances, your health, whatever area of your life it is, if you keep repeating the same thing, the Bible calls you a fool. And do you know what it says about a fool? As a dog returns back to his vomit, so a fool returns back to his foolishness. Well, what does that mean? When a dog gets hungry, you know what he'll do? He'll go down the street, go on the streets on trash day, pull over a trash can filled with some leftover Popeyes. Man jumps on that red beans and rice. It doesn't like bread. Gnaws a little bit on a biscuit. It's a little hard. And then goes right on those bones, chews those bones, and eats so much of it that he just gets sick and just throws it up. Goes away. Five or six hours later, he's hungry again. 
Church thinking, man, I'm hungry. I think I'm going to go back on that road where I found some food last time. And they go back and they go back to the same thing they were sick of and threw up and start eating it all over again because they don't have enough sense to know they ate it, was sick of it, and threw it up. And so Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, says, I've noticed something. Like a dog returns back to his vomit of what it ate, it was sick of. I'll never drink again. Oh, I won't be in a relationship like that again. Oh, I'm not going to make stupid financial decisions like that. The fool returns back to his foolishness. So today, I want to show you how to become the right person instead of find the right person. You see, God's way is becoming, becoming the right person. I'm not going to read all the verses. You know the story. Adam and Eve was in the garden. Adam was in the garden. It was him and God. And then God brought a woman to him. And Adam looked at her and said, This is not bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was taken out of a man. And the Bible says, Then for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and unashamed. Say that, naked, naked. unashamed. Do you know what the greatest desire is of every person in the world? Is to be fully known by someone. They know all your secrets. They know every terrible thing and every wonderful thing about you. They know you totally and they still love you totally. You know what the truth is? If we went in this room and I said right now we're going to start. I want you to say the worst thing that you've ever done your whole life. Pastor Jamie, I was a bouncer at Cowboys. Okay, let's just say we went all through the whole list of the worst thing you've ever done that you probably haven't told anyone. None of us would look at each other the same. You know what's so amazing about God? He's the only one who knows everything about me. And he's still the one that loves me the most. He knows me the most. And he loves me the most. I must become the right person. Before Adam and Eve could ever be naked, before Adam could be naked before his wife and unashamed, he had been naked before God and unashamed. You, You know what came into the garden after sin when they ate? Fear and guilt and shame. And they hid and covered up. The areas you hide and cover up are because of fear and guilt and shame. And do you know what destroys relationships? Hiding. Fear, guilt, and shame. Fear, guilt, and shame. I believe that before that you can ever, ever, ever become naked and unashamed before someone, you must be that way in your relationship with God. Now, Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31 says this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as what? There's no greater commandment than these. In other words, before I can ever learn to love my neighbor, I must first... I must what? Okay. What's the first one? To love with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then to love your neighbor as... Okay, what does that mean? Let's read the progression of the scripture. Okay? You shall love the Lord your with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then you shall love your as yourself. Isn't it amazing that if you look at the sequence of that, it goes God, people, you. But in reality, 
It's got to be God, you, and then people. Why is that so important? Golly, this is so good. This is good. What I'm about to share with y'all is really good. It's only when I love God that I can learn how to love myself. That's the unimplied implication. That through loving God, I learn how to love myself so I will know how to treat other people. Do you know why people treat other people wrong? Because they don't know how to love themselves. If the Bible says love your neighbors yourself, how many of you know some folks' neighbors are in trouble? I mean, you look at somebody, they don't take themselves careful physically. They don't financially take care of themselves. They're responsible in relationships. And now they're going to love their neighbor the same way they loved everybody else? Man, your neighbor's in trouble. You don't know how to love others till you first love God. Because you know the first thing that God teaches you? Is how to love yourself. Now, Kevin, let me share this with you. Okay? And I know you're going to think, wow, <laughs> that's what I thought. Look right here. I love me some me. I love myself. Well, Pastor, I mean, you're like you're supposed to be humble. That is humility. I love myself. You know why? Because I am a child of the living God. I used to hate me. I used to hate that I was poor. I used to hate that I was brown. I used to hate that I had the family that I came from. I used to hate the circumstance that I was in. But when I met Jesus, he showed me that I was made in his image. And that God had a plan and a purpose for me. And when people could look at the outside and they couldn't see value, it was who he was that gave value to me. And when I learned I was made in the image of God and that I'm valuable, then I know how to treat you. Because you are too. But I can't believe that if I don't believe that about myself. Why am I saying all this to you? Because God is letting us know that if you can't love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, who's perfect, you'll never have a chance with people who are imperfect. Hey, your mate doesn't have a chance. If you can't love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, your mate doesn't have a shot. God's perfect. Loving God shows me how to love myself so I can love others and believe that I'm worthy of being loved. How many of you know people that are always in dysfunctional, messed up relationships? Raise your hand. Do you know why they're in them? Because they don't think they're worthy of any better. Watch this. Listen carefully. If you walk in my arena that, that, that I can control, okay, my house, my friendships, who I spend time with, okay, I can control that. I can decide who I want to hang out with or don't. How many of you have ever had somebody that you know, but it's kind of like, eh, and they called and said, hey, you want to come over? Or hey, we're all going out to eat. Or hey, we're all going to Lafayette. And you go, mm. Your wife looks at you and you go, mm. You know, you see their phone call up on your phone and you go, mm. Okay. And then you see somebody else that calls you, that, that, that values you and cherishes you and adds value to your life. And they call and you go, hello? Hello? 
What's the difference? Now, I want you to listen to this. Because this is where real spiritual and emotional health began after loving God. If you don't know who I am, if you don't know that I am a child of God, that I'm loved and I'm valuable and I'm cherished and beloved by Him, then listen to me. Either I'm going to remove myself from where you are, or I'm going to have you removed from where I am. Because you might not know who you are, but I know who my Heavenly Father is and who He's made me. I want you to say that I am a child of God. I am who He says that I am. Lou Holtz, the great football coach, said this, you can succeed if you don't believe you, you can succeed if others don't believe in you, but you can't succeed if you don't believe in yourself. God believes in you. That's why Jesus died for you. That's how valuable you are. That's how valuable you are. Now, how can I become the right person versus just find the right person? I need to do that first in three main areas of my life before I'm ready for a relationship. Number one, in my faith. Your faith is the foundation of your life. Your faith is the foundation. When I hear people, I make this happen each weekend at one of our campuses. Some precious, wonderful, foolish person will come up, pulling up some boy or girl. Okay? Hi, Pastor Jacob. Remember me? I've been in the church a long time. Hey, how are you? Um, this is my friend, uh, T-Boy, and, and we're engaged. Well, well, tell me about T-Boy. Well, you know, he's from Catahoula. Uh, okay. His daddy's a farmer. Uh, okay, that's what he does. Tell me about T-Boy. Where's he go to church? Well, T-Boy, you know, T-Boy was raised Catholic. You know, but but... But Pastor Jacob, he loves God. It's all the same Jesus. You marry us? Let me get this right. You want me to help you build a house that will last through Katrina and Rita and Gustav and Lily? And you're coming and you don't even have a foundation that you want me to start building on? Come on, that's good. That's good. You think... You think there's some concrete in there somewhere? You think? Let me get this right. You want your kids to be like him? You're going to trust him in the middle of the night? You're going to take on his last name? You're going to put your entire future and well-being in his hands and you don't even know if he has a foundation? Are you on crack? Please tell me you are. Let me give you a little parent. This is a little line yacht for the parents here. I have a 17-year-old daughter. She's, she's, she's adopted. She's from St. Martinville. Her dad was African-American. She's never met him. Her mom's white. And her grandmother often brought her to church. And when she was four and a half years old, she came running up, hugged my wife at the altar at the end of a service. And my wife said, I could just eat her up and take her home. And her mom, who's right there where pastor is, turned around and said, you want her? 
She said, I should have done this a long time ago, Miss Michelle. In between different men, different relationships, and Amberly Grace became our daughter. I always tell her, her mama wanted her, but I needed her. She's 17. She's my heart. She is my dear Lord. When she rubs herself up against me and hugs me, I just throw cash and credit cards in the world is right. <laughs> she, she, if she absolutely knew how much of my heart she is. She's 17. She's a beautiful girl. I know all parents think their 17-year-olds are beautiful. She really is. <laughs> and so the first guy really interested in her, well, I'm sure she's liked a lot of guys, but she has five brothers, and that's pretty good. It's kind of been like a death squad around her. And so so this, this guy, you know, shows interest in her. And so on, on, on Valentine's night, we're having dinner, and I cook, I grill steaks for her and her mama and candlelight dinner, flowers, you know, all of that, you know, little music, piano music in the background, just, just a great time. And, and so we're, we're eating, and you know, little gifts or whatever. And, and then I say, um, well, Amberly, is there anything you want to share with this baby? You know, just like daddy conversation. And she goes, there is. This is a guy I like at school. I'm like, what? <laughs> Don't you ruin this Valentine's dinner with love? <laughs> so she starts telling me about a little boy that likes her at school and blah, 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 blah. And he goes to the Opelousas campus and he's really a good guy and he's an athlete and he's getting a scholarship and blah, blah, blah. I'm like... Uh, okay. So for the next week, I mean, me and her mother have, you know, spies, teachers, CIA, FBI, armed security, you know, GPS markings of things, just, you know, all of these things trying to find out who this guy is and what the story is and blah, 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 blah. And and so I I, I, I was talking with her about a week ago and she's sitting on the couch next to me and I said, well, how, how, how's your friend? She said, oh, he's good. I said, you know, Amberly, um, what, what has daddy always told you that my job is? And she says, to protect my heart, that it's true. It's my job to protect your heart until the day I walk you down the aisle and I give your heart to somebody else who I believe can care for it. Like I have. Your job is to guard your heart, but my job is to protect your heart until that time. And I'm going to make sure, I said, promise you, that that person will take care of you like daddy would, that, that he will protect your heart. And she said, yeah. I said, uh, do you remember your little friend who was dating a boy from Mamu? True story. She said, yeah. I said, well, what happened to them? She said, oh, they broke up. I said, you know your other little girlfriend who was dating another guy, and he was, you know, he was a farmer? Yeah, his dad a family farmer? Yeah, yeah. Well, what happened to them? Oh, they broke up. And I just stopped, and I looked at her, and I said, do you know anything that's better after it's broken? And she said, no, sir. I said, my job is to do what? Protect my heart. It's true. So let me tell you this. There ain't no 18-year-old, I don't care if he has a scholarship and is a star athlete at your school, that knows how to protect your heart. 
So I got a great idea for you. She said, what's that? I said, why don't you just be friends? Do you know that friends never break up? She goes, well, what do you mean? I said, well, I've known Mama since she was 12. We were friends. You know what happens? When you're friends, you can always fall in love. But once you break up, you even lose the friendship. All the parents with children said, and thank you, Pastor. Go ahead. <laughs> and, and, and that is, that is my job. Thank God she listened. I'm not an expert. It worked for the week. I'll let you know in another month how it all worked out. Okay? Who knows? She may be FaceTiming him going, my dad's a jerk. I can't even believe this. He says, now nobody. He said, you have to be able to bring him. One of our pastors, a guy came up and wanted to date his daughter. He said, I want to date your daughter. He said, okay. Bring me your credit report and a W-2 and your report card. And he made him do it. And he brought it all, and the little girl still broke up with him. <laughs> so, well, why am I saying all this to you? Because it takes a whole lot more than just saying that you fell in love. I must become the right person first in three areas of my life. Here we are. Number one, my faith. That's that foundation. That's that foundation I talked about. He better come with the foundation. She better come with the foundation. Because Katrina and Rita and Gustav and Lily are coming whether you ask for them or not. So you better insist on the foundation. Amen. Number two, in their friendships. Okay. Chinese say, don't tell me who you are. Tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are. The Bible says it like this. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good people. So if you see who they are, look at the friendships that are around them. The friendships that are around them. That will tell you. If everybody around them is, you know, got an issue or they've been through rehabs or multiple divorces or all kinds of family issues, welcome to the picture of your future. That's the preview. You know why? Because you don't attract who you want, you attract who you are. I'm going to come back to that a little later. Number three, become the right person in your finances. Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. What does that mean? That means before you go into relationships of someone, you better find out if they're already a slave to debt. Because if they can't handle a credit card, why in the world would God give them your heart to steward? Here's the next thing. I become the right person by walking in love versus falling in love. I'm always amazed that people just tell me, how'd you mean? Oh, I just fell in love. Like you were walking down the street and all of a sudden, like there was a hole in the middle of the road. And you just, ah! what happened? They fell in love. Because if you fell in love, you can fall out of love. If a wave of emotion pushed you into it, then a wave of emotion can push you out of it. Love at its core is a decision. It's a decision. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, When I was a child, I thought as a child. I spoke as a child. But I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Maturity is measured by what you put away from you. How many of you know that you're only young once, but you can be immature forever? Okay, if you're married to somebody who's 30 and they're still flexing in America, you're married to a 14-year-old. 
they grew old, but they didn't grow up. Okay, if they're trying to implant hair on their chest and get that little tattoo and the little, you know, medallion here and, and, and drive a Corvette because they never got that or she's all of a sudden getting Botox and everything else toxed up and she wasn't a cheerleader in high school but she's going to be a cheerleader at 35. Many people grow old but they never grow up. Maturity is measured by what you put away. Hey, when, when you're 20s and under, it's, oh, they're hot. They're fine. Let me tell you something. Get over 30, you start looking at their bank account, not their booty. Come on. Number three, set your affections versus follow your affections. How many of you know people that are always attracting the wrong people? It's like, why? There's just no good women out there in the whole world. All of them are gold diggers. Women, there's just no good men. They're all jerks. They all want the same thing. That's all they want. And you go like, where, where are you finding these people? Cowboys? Yeah. Well, could that be the problem? Don't be fishing for trout in a shoe pick pond. <laughs> now, the adults are laughing. Kids are going, what's a shoe pick? <laughs> Okay, number four, if that doesn't work, repeat steps one through three. Become the right person. Walk in love and set your affections. Become the right person. Walk in love and set your affections. So as I close in these last eight minutes, I'm going to give you eight ways if you know someone is the right person. Now, all of you know somebody's single. And this is going to be on, they're going to record this and it's recorded and they're going to play it. But this is eight ways you know someone is the right person. Are you ready? Okay. Yes or no? Are you ready? Okay. Kids are going, those that are single are going, stop, you're killing my game. Here we go. Eight ways you know someone's the right person. Number one, they have a job. They have a J-O-B. God gave Adam a job before he gave him a wife. It was to tend and keep the garden. And when he did good at that, then God gave him a wife to tend and keep. Number two, they understand the biblical role of marriage and their role in it. What do I mean by that? Well, if you're a man, you're the leader. Okay, let me say that one more time. That wasn't very positively greeted here. If you're a man, you are? Say loud. Come on, say it with a deep voice. The leader. the leader. I am. I am the leader. Darth Vader, I am your father. I am the leader. I am the leader. Okay? I'm the leader. Well, I'm just in my family. You know, we just kind of quiet. We'll lead quietly. Real leadership is being an example. Lead. Well, you know, I mean, my wife's just kind of strong, and you know, all of her mama's people, you know, they're just, your mama's people's wrong. Well, my mama was, your mama was wrong. Well, my mama was, your mama was wrong. Yeah, but I heard if your second toe is bigger than your big toe, then you the leader. Cut your toe off. Okay. God made the man to be the leader. And when the world fell apart, 
God came and He didn't say, Eve, Eve, where are you? He said, Adam, Adam, where are you? I left you in charge. You're responsible. You're responsible. You understand, if you're the man, you're the leader. Spiritually, physically, financially. You're the leader. Ladies, you understand your place. And if he's the leader, then the Bible says that you're supposed to, and it starts with an S and doesn't end with an X. You're supposed to submit. They're thinking of every bad word they can't serve. Slave. Okay. Well, you're supposed to what? It starts with an S and ends with a T. Say it loud. Say it louder. Okay, men, some of you never thought you'd ever hear your wife say that. Pull out your video phone and look at them and film them while they say it. Okay, you're supposed to what? Submit. Submit. Now, but Pastor Jacob, I don't think that's fair. Because women are smarter than men. Why should we have to submit? You're right. Do you know that even scientifically men's brains don't fully develop till they're 25? I know when you married him, he was an idiot. It's true. Women mature between 16 and 18. Men, 25 till they're, literally till their brain stops growing and they fully develop. Well, Pastor, why then would God make women submit to men when they're stupid and we're smarter? That's a very good question. Do you, do you know why? Do you know why? Because you are smarter. And men at that age are idiots. You just get to choose which idiot you submit to. <laughs> the real purpose of marriage is that you choose someone to lay your life down for for the rest of your life. You say, Pastor, how is that the purpose of marriage? Who said that? God. Husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. What did he do? He left heaven for the church and became a baby. The most dependent form of human life there is. Then he submitted to his parents. Then he went to the death of the cross. And then he died so that you and I could live. His death became and resurrection became our death and resurrection. Jesus enabled us to live because of his death. Your marriage lives to the degree that you die to yourself. Your marriage lives to the degree that you die to yourself. If you have a great marriage, that means a lot of dying's going on. Been a lot of funerals. Let me just give you a simple example because cause it's funny. I hate dogs. I know, Pastor, you don't know my dog. If you knew Foo Foo, you would I hate Foo Foo. But Pastor, if you saw Fluffy, I mean Fluffy and Fido, I hate Fluffy and Fido. I hate dogs, all dogs, A-L-L. I've had a dog for 30 years in my house. I just love my wife a whole lot more than I hate dogs. I just love my wife a whole lot more than I hate dogs. There is an, I hate malls, but I love my wife more than I hate malls. 
I hate it going to the beach, but I love my wife more than I hate to be. I, I could go down a list of things. My marriage lives to the degree that I die to myself. That's why you better be mature when you start this journey. That's all really good. Number three, they have a job. Number two, they understand their biblical role in marriage, its purpose and their place. Number three, they are who you want your children to be like. My, my, my mother, my dad was married five times and my mom two times. Man, she married to my dad and married seven times and they divorced. And, uh, my mother told me, what, she would look at me and she'd go, you just make me so mad. You just act just like your daddy. I'd go, Mama, who do you want me to be like, the mailman? <laughs> look right here. You better want your mates, your children to be like your mate. If not, what in the world are you doing reproducing with them? You know what the scariest verse in the Bible one of them is? Go replenish, go, go reproduce after your own kind. How many of you got stuff in you that you hate that you do? Raise your hand. Then stop it before you quit reproducing it. Stop it before you keep reproducing it. Because you will. They're who I want my children to be like. Number four, they make me a better person. They're called a helpmate from the Bible. Help. H-E-L. Not an H-E-L-L. Not a J-A-I-L. A helpmate. They help me. They make me better. Number five, they, their influence draws me closer to God. And not just the board order to be around them, i got to pray. Their influence draws me closer to God. Number six, they are surrounded with healthy people. If they're surrounded with dysfunction, that is a preview of your future. Number seven, they are not someone I can live with. They are someone I can't live without. I remember when, when Michelle and I were seriously dating and I moved away. After three weeks, I called her parents and I said, there's a lot of girls I could have seen myself living with through the course of my life. I can't live without her. Could I have your daughter's hand in marriage? Number eight, they love God more than they love me. They love God more than they love me. Look, look, look right here, every man and every woman. Look right here in my face. There isn't a human being alive that can tame a man's heart. I don't care if you're Tim Tebow about to marry Miss Universe. I don't care if you're Tim Tebow about to marry Miss Universe. The only person that can tame the heart of a man and keep it pure is God himself. That is a God-only job. You can't be pretty enough. You can't do enough. You can't show enough affection. Man or woman, the only person that can tame a human being's heart is God himself. Matter of fact, the only person that really will never, ever, ever leave me or forsake me or never, ever disappoint me is God. And then finally, if you don't have God in the right place in your life, 
you will put everyone else in the wrong place in your life. If you don't have God in the right place in your life, you put everyone else in the wrong place. Children are wonderful gifts. They're terrible gods. How many of you know people trying to live their whole life to their kids? Raise your hand. Okay, the kids do bad, they're depressed. Their kids do good, they're elated. Can I tell you this? I have six children. One in heaven. And let me say this to you. I'm not as bad as the worst my children have ever done. And the ones that are doing amazing, I'm not that good. (laughs) It's all God. The whole journey. I know people whose children are amazing. The most astounding things. I wouldn't want their marriage for anything in the whole world. I think a lot of parents take a whole lot more credit than they should for their parents' kids. And I think a lot of parents take way too much blame. Okay, somewhere in between there is the truth and all of us bear the element of responsibility as parents. I do know this, however, that if I put God in the right place, everybody else finds their right place too. 